0: The National Desk Conversations. America's news now. I'm Jane Jeff Code and welcome to episode 15 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with a former member of Operation Warp Speed. Adam Bowler was part of the team that fast-tracked vaccines during the Trump administration. But first, the fast and ever-changing track of the pandemic from prevention to treatment. We start with Dr. Nina Radcliffe. Hospitalizations are on the rise as health officials work to combat a winter surge of the Omicron and Delta variants, and now we're seeing a growing number of cases in people who are boosted. Joining us right now to discuss the latest coronavirus headlines, Dr. Nina Radcliffe. Great to see you, Dr. Radcliffe. Happy Monday. According to the CDC, 1.3 million new COVID cases are expected here in the U.S. by Christmas Day, and the U.S. could see more than 15,000 deaths by January 8th. What's your reaction to hearing these numbers as we start to see an increase in hospitalizations? It sounded like we were gonna be turning the corner. Now, not so much.
1: Well, I think that the data is pretty stark and clear. After the surge of the Delta variant back in September, the numbers never came down to an acceptable level before going up again. This is what medical and public health experts have been warning is going to happen when not enough people are changing their behaviors. And now, Omicron casts a larger shadow each day, driving infection rates, which will stress hospitals. Medical facilities are preparing and making contingency plans for what could be our nation's worst surge ever. The unvaccinated continue to account for most COVID hospitalizations, and deaths. It's still a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and there's no question about this. And all of this is coming as millions of Americans are preparing to gather and travel for the upcoming holidays. Again, the best way to protect yourself is to get vaccinated.
0: And we know the Omicron variant peaking in South Africa at the moment. How does this information factor into our fight here in the U.S. against COVID? What metrics are being analyzed from South Africa to predict what we can expect here in the States?
1: Well, scientists are gathering information racing to gauge the threat of Omicron in our country. And as the tally of cases mounts here and abroad, what has happened and continues to happen inside labs over the next few days and weeks will help scientists determine the true potential of the virus threat. A few leading indicators that will help experts figure out how much of a threat Omicron really is are cases rising, are hospitalizations in other countries driving surges, is Omicron causing more severe illness than the Delta variant? And to complicate matters further, we live in a world where some people have immunity to COVID-19 at varying levels. People have been vaccinated or they've been infected with other versions of the virus and recovered. And so Omicron's ability to evade this immunity will also factor significantly into its ability to transmit in the real world known as immune escapability. And while information from other Areas of the world provide insight. South Africa is very different from the United States in terms of geography, their size and population, their ethnic makeup, transportation, cultural norms, vaccination rates, which are significantly lower, and healthcare, which factors into testing and how many actual cases. There are. So, some experts are weighing in that it's not fairly accurate to use metrics from South Africa to see what may happen in the United States. And while it's still early, we may look to Israel, who has very good tracking of COVID data.
0: Yeah, Israel, by the way, just blocked the United States from travel to that country. We're one of the states that is blocked. Uh, from entering that country as of this morning. Also wanted to ask you about this new study that we reported on this morning that suggests breakthrough cases, COVID cases, may supercharge immunity. In other words, those people who got three shots or two shots, if it was Johnson & Johnson, those people who were boosted and also then contract COVID now supposedly, according to the American Journal Medical Association, found they were a thousand percent more effective in their immunity, in immune system as opposed to those who did not get infected with COVID. What do you know about this?
1: Well, it's important to note to avoid any misleading information that there are Limitations with the study. It was a very small study of only 26 people, and there were differing times of collection between participants. So understanding that each of the 26 people had both re- had received both doses of the Pfizer vaccine and had breakthrough infections. So again, while there are limitations with the study, the authors hint that in general, those who catch COVID post-vaccination may have an edge in fighting off the virus, even if some, um, even if they have been exposed to a new coronavirus variant. So more studies are needed with greater controls and larger sample sizes to explore if in fact this is true, but it is a silver lining.
0: Right, and we're seeing right now a lot more people who have been boosted actually contracting uh, COVID from the Omicron variant. We know two senators, Senator Cory Booker as well as Elizabeth Warren, both say they contracted COVID. They both say they were boosted. Where are we when it comes to these so-called breakthrough cases?
1: Well, we're very pleased to hear that both were beyond grateful that they were vaccinated and boosted and experiencing very mild cases after testing positive positive. and while track and the tracking of the timeline for both of them of when they received their booster booster vaccine dose and were infected is unclear. We do know this. Our vaccines and booster regimens cut the risk of severe COVID hospitalizations and death. It doesn't prevent you from getting infected, right. and that's why mitigation efforts of masking, getting tested, and staying home if sick are so important. So health officials are sounding the alarm about the rising number of Delta and Omicron cases spreading nationwide, with COVID cases skyrocketing from coast to coast and hospital beds are filling up so as we brace ourselves people need to know that covid vaccines do work and provide important protection to individuals their families and their communities vaccines protect not only those who are vaccinated but those who cannot get vaccinated
0: it's almost a misnomer when you put it like that the fact that we call it breakthrough when the vaccines do not promise you're not going to get infected like you said it just promises to to, to most people that you'll have not as severe of a case or that it could also prevent death. So we appreciate you joining us this morning, Dr. Radcliffe. You are listening to our weekly podcast, The National Desk Conversations, featuring newsmaker interviews from The National Desk, America's News Now, next on episode 15 of our podcast. A guest who is on the front lines of vaccine development, Adam Bowler. You're listening to our weekly podcast, The National Desk Conversations, featuring newsmaker interviews from the National Desk, America's News Now. Next on episode 15 of our podcast, a guest who was on the front lines of vaccine development, Adam Bowler. As new COVID variants increase, so does the push for vaccinations. Our next guest played a crucial role in the rollout of the COVID vaccine, and he joins us right now to share his thoughts on where we are a year later. Adam Bowler is a former member of Operation Warp Speed and a CEO of Rubicon Founders. Adam, welcome to the National Desk. Good to see you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: First, tell us what your role was during Operation Warp Speed and what do you make of where we are right now when it comes to COVID vaccinations and boosters.
2: There was a small group of us that picked the leader of Operation Warp Speed. It came down to four finalists, and at the time, it wasn't clear who we should choose, but I will tell you, our final person uh, that we interviewed that day was the only one that said it would be possible to develop a vaccine before the end of the year, and that was Moncef Salawi, who we selected, uh, and he did it. Uh, so our job was to make sure that there was nothing we couldn't pass, that there was no material, no cost, to accelerate the development of vaccine and to do with private companies.
0: In the beginning stages of this process, was it expected there would be a need for booster shots? I mean, what types of conversations took place surrounding boosters and and new shots with the mutation of these new variants?
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty common. I mean, at the end of the day, the the good thing about this vaccine and the virus, it's not too dissimilar from other viruses we see. And I think about it like when you get your flu shot, right? You get a new variant, new variants come out, You get your booster, you get a new shot every year. I think that's what this will eventually look like.
0: Yeah, speaking of which, that was the whole point of the mRNAs, right? Because you could actually change it very quickly.
2: Yes. And you're seeing that play through right now, right? The fact that they can do boosters, they can adjust, um, and that makes a big difference.
0: Do you anticipate we're gonna see this like the flu shot every single year?
2: Yes, I don't think that Corona is gonna go away. I think that it's just going to become part of normal life. So as people get their flu shot, they'll get vaccinated. I did it just myself uh, at CVS a few weeks ago with both.
0: And you believe it'll be tailored specifically toward variants?
2: Yes. I think what will happen is you'll see the dominant variants that come out. Uh, they will adjust and you'll get your flu shot that year. Perhaps a few months later, there's another variant that comes out, uh, the Zeta variant, um, and we'll switch to that. I mean, the good news about Omicron from what we see right now it's It's very transmissive. So everybody should be getting their vaccines. That's a bipartisan thing. Um, But the good news is what we see so far is it's pretty mild in terms of its outcomes. Uh, That is not necessarily a bad thing if people are vaccinated.
0: And we don't see all these trials being done with the flu shot. I know we had, you know, during Operation Warp Speed, there was all these trials that were being done as a result of it being so new. Now that you believe we could have variant specific uh, shots, Do you think we're going to roll it out that fast, just like we do with the flu shot?
2: I think the FDA should have a process just like they have with new flu shots where there are slight adjustments um, and then those shots are approved. So you have CDC, FDA are involved in the new flu shots uh, when they identify variants. um, and, And I think the same thing should happen here.
0: And Adam, because of the COVID pandemic, as we know, there's been this big focus on providing health care at home. How do you anticipate not just the virtual world, but concierge doctors and nurses to become more prevalent as we navigate this, this new pandemic normal?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you look back and think of all the things that have changed that now we accept, I'll give you an example, testing done in a pharmacy, that was not possible before COVID. We changed that. And everybody thought it was crazy at the beginning. And now You think about going to your pharmacy to pick up tests, or maybe it's sent at home. The same thing with home visits. The American people now are becoming accustomed to getting visits at home, and especially now. uh, How many people want to grow up and be in a nursing home, have their parents in a nursing home? The benefit of in-home care, which should be provided to all Americans regardless of wealth or status, this is something that can change health care where you don't end up in a group home. No one wants that.
0: Adam, you've pointed out in the past how healthcare today is is all reacting, but you anticipate this new approach to healthcare to be more preventative. How so?
2: I think when you're in the home, one of the great things is you can see so many things that you can't see otherwise. When somebody comes into an office and you see them for five minutes uh, or fifteen minutes, uh, you see a glimpse of somebody. Sometimes they're dressed in their Sunday best. Uh, When you go into somebody's home, you see that person, you're able to walk around, look at the prescription medication, see what's being taken, see what's being not, and get a sense of the social aspects as well that drive so much in terms of healthcare. So you can see somebody holistically for for who they are.
0: Adam, how is Rubicon Founders helping to shape the future of healthcare in America?
2: So I'm focused on investing in areas that make a big difference. And so we just bought the largest fee-for-service house calls business in the country this is a company that is in 30 markets around the country where if you are a senior you are able to get home visits um and that's 30 different markets and so what we want to change we want to change this market where this is part of your insurance everybody that needs it is going to be able to get home visits and let's have a place where people can retire at home uh, with supports at home uh, where they want to be and not only that you know, this is not about raising costs. If you're treating somebody at home, even if it's two in the morning, um, the alternative here is 911 going into a hospital. That is expensive. That is bad. A bad situation is not good for e- anybody. If we can change that and avoid it and do a visit in your home, uh, it saves the whole system money too.
0: Yeah. And, and on the other side too, for, for doctors and nurses, this might be something that might be more appealing to them as opposed to being in the hospital as well.
2: 100%. I mean, one of the nice things, right, in the context of a virus, you want to be able to control the circumstance, not a place where there's thousands of people all together. And I will say there's something satisfying about going to somebody's home and taking the time to really see them, not a churn and burn one minute, two minute, you, you see so many of our doctors and our nurses burning out right now. And really, burning out is for a big reason. Burnout is not just work. It's the feeling you get when you sit in traffic and nothing's moving forward, and you have stupid rules you don't wanna deal with. When you're doing good things, even if you're working hard and you make a significant difference, you don't get burned out. So this is a different way to work. It's a way to work where you can take the time to know somebody uh, and take care of them.
0: Adam, pleasure talking to you this morning. We appreciate your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. That's episode 15 of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for The National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or you can stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. Conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.